Hey everyone, this is Nathan Hayes with the Focal Point Podcast. Uh, if you don't know me, I'm the Practices Finance Consultant for IDOC. And today I want to talk about three questions that every owner needs to ask before they exit their practice, or really at every stage of their practice, about exiting their practice. Um, last time I had the chance to, to sit and achieve my certification as an exit planning advisor, and one of the ideas of exit planning that I learned is that what's good for your exit down the line is good for your practice today. And so I hope these questions will help you actually think about working on your practice and in your life as a whole. And and also within that, um, that something like half of business owners end up leaving their businesses for reasons that are outside of their control. And there's a bunch of reasons for that. They mostly start with D, but you have, um, Divorce can cause you to leave. You have disability. You could die. Um, there could be a disaster. Your practice catches fire. It floods. Um, there could be um, conflict within a business that causes you to get out. So just difficulties causing you to exit. But but that being the case, that we never know when something might happen that could cause us to need to exit our practice, as well as. Um, knowing that what's good for getting your practice and your life ready for, for an exit, it, what's good for the future is good for today. I, I want to think about the three questions that every owner should ask. And, and as you get closer to exiting, if you're working with me, one of the questions that we'll ask is, it, every year we'll start to ask these questions. And, and three headers, um, is your business ready to transition? Are you personally ready to move on? And are you financially ready, financially ready to walk away? Um, and let's maybe take those in reverse order. So we'll start with financially ready. Because I think for a lot of younger owners, it can shape your decision-making about your business um, looking ahead. And Because uh, you know, I get the questions on, with some regularity, should we buy another location? Should we open cold in the next town over? Um, you know, wh- Where am I going? Do I need to add doctors? Do I need to grow my business? And so um, how do you know... What is that? What is asking the question of financial readiness to leave your practice mean for you? It it means you need a plan, and and if you haven't worked with a financial advisor at all, um, to talk about goals and planning and thinking about what you'll need in retirement, it's it's a really good thing to do, and the earlier the better because you can start saving soon. Um, but one of the ideas when you start to get to the the critical point, sixty, sixty five, seventy years old of being ready to sell a business, you call me up and I ask, where are you with your retirement savings? What do you need to secure your financial future? And, and there's an idea that's the wealth gap. So the wealth gap is the difference between where you are today in terms of personal savings and investments and where you need to be to provide the lifestyle you want when you retire from owning your practice, when you sell your practice. And, and why does that matter? Well, for one thing, if, if your savings plan is in place and you're on pace, and you have a reasonable sense of what your practice is worth. So let's say, you know, I'll, I'll give you in round numbers an example. It's um, true story, actually. Um, couple is on pace to save $7 million by the time they retire, doing a great job saving for themselves. And their practices are, well, let's say, just say the number they need is 10 to retire. So, and, and if you think about it, 3% draw against the, the account um, as a long-term sustainable Withdrawal, they want to live off $300,000 a year without dipping into principal in the practice reasonably. 
And so they're on pace to save seven. They're going to need ten. They already have two offices. Uh, generating about a million to a million eight each. And I just said, listen, your practices are almost worth three million together as it is. And their question was, do we need to keep buying practices to, to have enough assets to sell when we're retired? And the answer was no, because you're going to be there probably with what you have. If the opportunity's right, by all means, but um, you, you, you know, it can shape your decision on investments. I'll give you another example of where it matters. Um, take And this, this happens more and more now. Take a practice owner who's sick of playing the managed care game, sick of vision care plans, and wants to simplify their life, doesn't want their practice to be too big. And so they basically shut it down, maybe fire a couple of vision plans and say, I, you know, I'll take less income. I'll take less explosive growth in my practice um, in order to have more time and less stress with, with an appropriate, I just, I want to hit my number and I'm set. Okay, fine. It's your practice. You can do with it what you want. But if you're not building the value of the asset over time, you would better have a good savings plan to go along with that to get you to where you need. And so it affects, you know, on the one hand, it can tell you how to grow the value of your practice and push for growth. On the other hand, it can affect how you do your savings and, and just rethinking how much income you need. Um, I, I know that we don't own practices just for the wealth, but it is an investment of your time, energy, and money. And, and it's one of the things we want to think about. So be asking the question, are you financially ready to retire? Um, and have a plan for getting to where you need to be and having a plan in place and contingencies. And it also informs things like um, insurance needs for your family along the line. What do you need in terms of life insurance? What do you need in terms of disability insurance? Um, business interruption insurance to protect your family's future and, and providing for your needs in the event of disability, in the event of accidentally dying well, or you know, dying by unexpectedly, um, you just don't know. And so have a plan financially and let it inform both your savings targets, but also how you manage your practice for growth. That's number one. So the question is, are you financially ready? And it also means, by the way, that when you get close to retiring, you don't necessarily just have to accept some appraiser's guess at the value of your practice. It can really inform your decision of an asking price to say, if if I need $800,000 to, um, you know, on a sale price where net of taxes, I'll have enough to short my retirement. And I've got a $1.1 million practice. I'm not going to settle for less because I know what my number is. And maybe you don't need to retire yet. You're just, you have the buyer in hand and they're interested you can hold your ground and know that, hey, I'll wait a little longer if you're not going to give me my number, but my number is 800. And if I wait a little longer, it can be less because I'll have saved more after enjoying an owner's income for a couple of more years. So know what your financial readiness looks like. Know your savings needs and be prepared for that. The second question we'll tackle then is, is the business ready? Is the business ready? And And this is one where... A business that's ready to sell is going to be much more enjoyable to manage and run and own today. So we can take business readiness. Um, the way I'd frame it is if you think about what's, and this is very much an investment discussion, but if you think about what drives the value of a business, there's really two elements. And with private equity, we've started to think this way. And you know, what do you hear about private equity? You've got EBITDA and a multiple. EBITDA is earnings before interest, tax, depreciation, and amortization. Um, before interest tax, depreciation, and amortization. So basically, it's what kind of income do you, does your business provide 
when we take debt and investment out of the question. So just if someone owns it free and clear of debt, um, if you have no debt in the practice, you're not depreciating, amortizing anything, um, if you don't have interest to pay, uh, take the taxes out. That's your EBITDA number, effectively, less your you know, there's an adjustment for your fair market wage, but you have a benefit stream that an owner is willing to get. And then there's a multiple. And the multiple is driven by the health of the business. Or one way to think about it is the multiple is driven by a future buyer's expectation of how likely is it that I'm going to continue to enjoy the same benefits as the current owners enjoyed. So the lower the risk, the higher the multiple. Um, and what drives the risk? What drives the, the, the confidence that someone is going to, a practice is going to sustain itself? Um, let, me, let me start by framing it with an example of where, it, um, where, where a business isn't likely to sustain itself. Um, take take a, a very small practice that's almost entirely dependent on its owners. Uh, maybe one employee, but you've got an owner OD, maybe the wife is managing and maybe they do pretty well, but because it's all tied up in the owners, when they're gone, what's going to be left? How likely is it that the patients are going to stay with a new doctor whom they don't know? Um, how likely is it that um, the systems and the culture will survive? And, and this is one of the dangers of keeping your practice small is that because it depends on you so much, it's not as transferable to somebody else. It's less likely that they can just take it over and enjoy the same benefits. Whereas a larger practice that the patients are accustomed to a staff that all are consistent in their field, but there's more people that you're touching. There's different doctors that you're touching. It's more likely that that business transfers to a new doctor because the entire culture has learned not to be dependent on, on the owners. So, okay. so that's where it comes with What drives that transferability? So a couple factors. Um, you know, one would be what's the, what's the patient base like? Is it diverse? Is it broad? Is it large? Um, you know, are, are, they, are they likely to, to carry over? Do they have good relationships with the practice? What is the practice's reputation and brand like in the community? Is it a place that people talk about and want to be at? Um, and that your brand is going to be affected as much by you as your staff. And, and staff is a critical factor as well. How good is your team? How tenured are they? Do they have experience and depth? Do they... Do they know the culture or is everyone turned over every couple of years and you're constantly training and there's no consistency there and it's, it's just a, you know, it's a game of whack-a-mole. It's, it's roulette every time you put someone in there because you just don't know how they're going to turn out. You know, are they tenured? Are they skilled? Are they nice? Um, having good staff makes a huge difference. Are they self-managing? Or do you have to drive it the whole time um, to where the business depends on you and your leadership? So your team matters, your brand matters, your system matters. I mean, do you have EHR in place? Do you have good, um, good um, practice management software that's well, well developed? So your systems matter. Is your equipment up to date? Is your office feeling fresh? All of these things come into play to say it's likely that this will continue because if it's dilapidated and, and dying, someone's going to have to pour money into it. If you don't have good systems and records, it's going to be hard for someone to step in and just do it. Cause not only do they have to take over your practice and learn your staff and learn your patients. Now they also at the same time have to put a new system in altogether. It's less transferable. It's going to be harder for them to step in and enjoy the same benefits as you have. 
So is your business transferable? Is it ready to be given to somebody else? And, and this matters for you because all of these things that, that we're talking about with a practice that doesn't depend on you, a good staff that's experienced and treats your patients well, um, healthy systems, fresh space, good brand in the community, all those things make your practice grow faster, be more profitable, be more enjoyable to be in when you are there, and give you freedom to not be there and not worry about it when you don't. I mean, something I advise owners to really work on their culture is take a two-week vacation and cut it off. You know, shut it down, turn off, turn off your email, turn off your phone, go somewhere remote, and see how the practice does. And a practice that does just fine when the owner's away for two weeks is one that's imminently more sellable, but also imminently more ownable. It's just a better practice to be in as an owner. So working on the transferability of your practice matters for an exit down the line and for today. And, and furthermore, we think about those disasters. A, a practice is transferable is more likely to sustain its value if you get in a car accident and have to sell it in a hurry. And so it matters for that. And, and you'll, you'll hear in this somewhat that a practice that's grown past being a one-doctor practice is going to be more stable and more sellable down the line and, and more sellable in the event of emergency. So I do think while I want to honor owners that like to keep things simple, uh, if, if you do at all have an investment philosophy about your practice, you should push for growth and push to go to a second doctor when you can. Uh, one way to think about it is it's really the next uh, intellectual challenge as an owner. One is just to grow a patient base around what you do. And the next challenge is to bring another doctor in and have them provide the same level of care and service and experience as you do. To replicate yourself is, you know, it's easy when it's in your control. I mean, it's not easy, but it's easier. It's harder to get someone else to do it your way. And so as, as an owner, as a leader, as an investor, that's, that's a real challenge. Final thing I want to touch on is, are you personally ready to retire? And, and this is one that is always an interesting question because different people have different answers. I think it's important, it, you know, it, every given year, um, you know, be checking in on your savings plan, where you are. Uh, you know, if you do an annual three-year growth plan review with me, we can certainly just touch on, hey, here's a working number for the value of your practice today for your planning purposes. And, and by the way, whatever that number is, whoever's buying, including private equity, your practice is definitely worth more as a long-term source of income, treating it like an annuity, than it is as um, an asset you're going to sell. So especially past five, six, seven years time horizon, financially, you're better off holding. But you also have to ask the question, you know, what, what are you going to do with yourself when you retire? What are you going to do with yourself if you sold? And something like 75% of business owners, this was the statistic by a you know, survey by a national group, 75% of business owners regret selling their businesses within three years of selling. And it's not that they didn't get paid an appropriate amount. It's not that um, you know, somehow the, the deal was off. It's just they weren't ready to be done. You, most of you, many of you at least, have spent years, if not decades, um, with a couple of pieces of your identity that you spend a lot of time on. You're an optometrist. You take care of eyes. It's what you do. It's what you're trained to do. It's your vocation. It's, it gives your life's work meaning that you're helping people see. And that's a big deal. And I want to honor that. But the other one for most owners is also you've been the boss. You've been the man. You've been the woman. You've been in charge. You've done it your way. 
You, you maybe had to answer to a partner, but many of you don't even have a partner. Um, and to go from being the boss and optometrist just to straight up retired, uh, you, you know, going to the beach is not an answer to that. You need to have a plan for how you're going to spend your time and derive meaning. Uh, many people I talk to now, and, and I'm kind of in this camp, although at 37, it's not as though I'm close. You know, to say, ah, retirement, it's, I don't know what I'd do with myself. I'll just keep working as long as I can. Even at a reduced workload, keep going as long as you can. Um, so, so know what you're going to do with yourself. But even if, let's say that you're going to sell and keep working. Have you really thought about what it looks like not to be the boss? And to have someone else tell you what, what they do. I've had a couple of anecdotes lately of people who have sold to private equity. And you know, within a year or two absolutely hate it because they sold their business. And, and just as you've enjoyed owning because you're in charge, when someone buys your practice, chances are there's something they're going to change about it because they bought it to have control of it. And you may not like those changes. You, put private equity aside. You know, there are many circumstances where a private OD sells to another private OD, a younger OD, and the younger OD has energy and vision and changes the practice. And, and the seller who's still working there maybe doesn't like those changes. And it's hard to watch your life's work get, get changed. It you know, may be a continuation that you didn't have the energy to do, but it may be an indictment of how you were running it. That someone says, no, I think you were doing it all wrong. I'm going to do it this way. And even though you built it, you're along for the ride because you're still here. If you're thinking about selling, you need to ask, are you ready to, to have those kind of changes if you're going to stay on? And, and young doctors, when you're buying practices, you also need to ask the question, is the seller really ready to sell? Because if they're not, one, you might spend a lot of time for a deal that'll never get done because they're really not ready. And if you do succeed in buying them, you really need to think about the relationship dynamics and your ability to affect change if the seller's gonna stay on. The, the staff have been loyal to them for years. If you come in and try to change things and they're still there, are they gonna undercut your work? It definitely happens. And, and sellers, you need to ask that too if you're going to stay on. Are you ready to move on? Because it's unfair to your buyer who's paying you probably hundreds of thousands of dollars for your practice. Are you ready to hand over the reins and let them change it and support them? It's a mess if, they're, if you're not. So what do we do with this? I mean, one thing to consider is anyone, if you've talked to me and you've had an offer, I, I encourage you to have the conversation, not because I think you should sell your practice, but because it's helpful and useful to go through the exercise of, go through the planning process. You know, is this enough to retire on? Probably not in most of your cases, I'd say. Some of you it is. And even if it is, um, are you ready to exit? Are you ready to step aside and let someone else take the reins? Are you letting someone else have control of your business to change it? And then if you get the offer and it's low, one of the questions you can ask, and better to ask sooner is, what does my practice need to look like in order to be as sellable as possible. And that's where your IDOT consultants can come in. I mean, we're here to help you make the changes in your business to make it good for you today, but also good for a buyer in the future. I'll, and I'll leave you just with those two opening thoughts. What's good for your practice when you're ready to exit is good for you today. The better you can make your practice today, the better it will be to sell. Do not wait and just try to monkey with your finances to make the practice look better. Make it right today. Make it right in 2020. It's a great year in eye care to be changing things in your practice. Um, work on your staff, work on your culture, work on your branding and your marketing, 
Um, look at your patients and identify who you want more of and go market to those people. Look at your plan, your systems and your in- instruments, your, your practice management software and your financial tracking. Find the weak spots and work on those things first. We can help you identify those. Um, so what's good for your business today is good for you tomorrow. And then be prepared at all times to exit because you don't know what might happen to you. It's a way of protecting your family and protecting the asset you work so hard on. So it's been a pleasure to share these thoughts with you on, on the three things that matter for, for transitioning a business. And um, I will leave it there. Your IDA consultants are here for you. I'm here for you. It's a great time of year. Uh, we have the connection coming up, but it's a great time of year to update your three-year growth plan, take a look at what your opportunities for improvement are, where you want to go. A lot of my role is giving doctors permission to do things they want to do. So it's not about telling you what you're doing wrong. Um, it's about telling you what your opportunities are, where your strengths are, and how to make your practice work better for you. So look forward to talking to many of you. It is great to be with you. This has been the Focal Point Podcast, and I am Nathan Hayes with IDOC. Thanks so much.